Very pleased to be able to welcome Dr. Willie Jennings to Christ Church today. I first, I figured out this morning, I first came to know her, we met 25 years ago, um, where Dr. Jennings was situated at Duke Divinity School and I was working on some, some uh, extended work on behalf of the church there. Uh, I serve on the board of Yale Divinity School and three years ago when the dean said that he had stolen Dr. Jennings from Duke, we all were thrilled to death. Glad to have uh, Dr. Jennings up at Yale Divinity School. He's an award-winning writer. He's a, he's a very um, constructive thinker at, for the church at this particular moment in time. Uh, you will read more about him in your program. Uh, and I also want to invite you to stay following the service at 12.30 where we will have a chance to spend more time with Dr. Jennings up on the fourth floor. So, Dr. Jennings, welcome. Good morning. I bring you warmest greetings from Dean Greg Sterling, the faculty, the staff, and the students at Yale University Divinity School, where we endeavor every day not simply to understand and interpret the world, but to change it. It is a joy to be here with you and with your wonderful pastor, Reverend Bauman, and your fabulous ministers, the Reverend Dr. Lee and the Reverend Houseworth Fields. I am thrilled to be in this part of the world. Now, I've moved recently from the south to the north, and yesterday I was outside and it was cold and raining and it was wind was blowing, and I thought to myself, oh, how wonderful. <laughs> I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and so this is, this is my kind of weather. Bare trees, gray skies, clouds, I love it. I'm wonderfully, I'm happily married to a wonderful woman, the Reverend Joanne Brown Jennings, who um, does not love it. She is from Bermuda, and for many years we lived in North Carolina, so I've taken her from a very warm and sunny climate to this part of the world. So you all pray for me that my wife will fall in love with me again someday. <laughs> I'm hoping soon though my children don't think it's going to be soon. The scripture that was read in your hearing, the, the Acts passage, is the one I would like to draw your attention to this morning. It is um, a wonderful part of the story that Luke tells. And it is the very beginning of the revolution that Jesus began through his resurrection. A revolution that you and I are yet in the midst of even now. In that portion of scripture that was read to you, it tells us that Jesus had risen from the dead. This is the new beginning. He has come to his disciples. And these astonished disciples understood what the resurrection of their friend, their teacher, and their Lord meant. 
He had indeed risen with all power in his hand. He had overcome death. And he had even overcome the power of violence. And these disciples, these disciples in this story, they ask Jesus that question. The question that many of us would have asked in that situation. Lord, now that you have all the power, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? When will we take over? When will we be in charge? When will we be in charge? You, you can feel in the story, in the book of Acts, at the very beginning, you can feel the urgency of the question. That is always the question that haunts those of us, those of us who want to see the world changed, want to see the world made right, made fair, made just. When will people who think like us, <laughs> who think like us, be in charge? There's also a question that those drawn to power constantly ask. When will I be in charge? You know, it's the, it is a nationalist question. It's a nationalist question with social, political, and economic implications. The disciples of Jesus asked the question because they were tired of seeing Israel oppressed, and they wanted to call the shots, control the operations, and change the narrative. And now that Jesus had the power, they wanted an answer to this crucial question. But it is not clear yet in the story whether the disciples of Jesus wanted Jesus or if they just wanted power. It is not clear right now at this moment in our history, especially in this country, whether disciples of Jesus want Jesus or simply want to be in control. You see, it's easy to confuse the desire for Jesus with the desire to be in control. If he has all power, then we should be in control and certainly we should not be controlled by those who don't think like us. There are a lot of Christians who are living out this way of thinking right now. Sisters and brothers, I worry, and maybe you do too, I worry that there are way too many Christians who worship Jesus' power and not Jesus. Way too many who want a fantasy of resurrection without a resurrected Jesus. I worry that there are too many who follow Jesus because they want to be winners first. Disciples sometime later on. 
but winning comes first. This is, this is what nationalist, nationalist fantasy does. It turns every religion toward the worship of power. Such fantasy always dreams of power over people, the power to control our own destiny, the power to control our side of the world. That fantasy of power over people drives the creation of walled communities, border patrols, and prisons. It makes violence and segregation look so attractive because to want power inevitably means at some point in time you will be okay with violence and with segregation. Jesus does have power and the reign of Israel will be restored but not as the disciples anticipated it. So Jesus tells his disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes upon them they will receive the power of God. And when the Spirit came, they did not just get power. They got God. Imagine, they got God's desire poured all over them. Ooh, ooh. The Spirit comes upon them and they are pressed by the Spirit to speak in the languages of other people. God did not ask their permission. This is power. God did not take a vote. This is power. God simply poured God's own life and desire into the disciples. This is God touching, touching, taking hold of tongue and voice mind, heart, and body. This is joining unprecedented, unanticipated, unwanted, yet complete joining. Those gathered in prayer asked for power, but they did not ask for this. This is real grace, untamed grace, uncontrollable grace. It is the grace that replaces our fantasies of power over people with God's desire for people. God's fantasy replacing our own fantasy. God fantasizes not that we would have power over people, but that we would desire one another desire people different from us as much as God desires us. That's what God wants. That's what God wants. God has come to these disciples, on them, with them. The followers of Jesus are now being connected in a way that joins them to people in the most intimate space of voice, of memory, of sound, body, land and place. It is language, sisters and brothers, it is language that runs through all these matters. To learn 
a language different from your own mother tongue is to enter life, enter life, enter the world of another people. It is the sinew of existence of a people. Speak a language, speak a people. Speak a language, speak a people. And guess what? God speaks people fluently. And God, with all the urgency that is with the Holy Spirit, wants the disciples of Jesus's disciples of God's only begotten Son to speak people fluently too. This is the beginning of a community broken open by the sheer act of God. And we, my sisters and brothers, are yet to comprehend the extent to which God is acting to break us open. The power of God has come upon them and through the Holy Spirit and what it means for us to be in charge is not to have our way but by the Spirit to become to become to become a way for people to be joined together to become a way for people to be joined in where they live in how they live and for whom they live Imagine your life, imagine your life as a connector of people who would never want to be together. Imagine your life as a place and a time where people who never imagined friendship could not only imagine it, but know it. Now that, that is power. We are called to join with people in the name of Jesus, guided by the Spirit, and to join people together who would never have imagined shared, intimate life. What is required of us at this crucial moment, sisters and brothers, especially in this country, what is required of us is that we stop resisting the work of the Spirit. That's what's required of us. Stop resisting what the Spirit wants to do. And what the Spirit always wants to do is draw people together who would prefer not, who would prefer not to be together. So for anyone here who wants to see the world made right, made fair, made just, you should Aspire to be in charge by yielding to the Spirit and following Jesus into the lives of people you would prefer not to join. Now, that would change everything. That speaks revolution. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen.